0: Good evening, Patriots, and it's Tuesday, January 31st on the West Coast. And like always, it's just become a thing. I think I've just started saying, and I'm just going to stick with it. It's like East Coast, guess what? And you're like, yeah, no kidding, I got it. We're already in Wednesday. Yep, you are. And that's the virtue of time travel (laughs) in our small little way. And before I begin, there's one thing I noticed in the chat, and I just want to bring it up. If you've been wondering where Duncan has been with Kilted Christian, he's in the middle of that storm in Texas. You know that storm that, for global warming so that they get ice and snow and freezing rain and the power goes out because it's so doggone cold in a a part of the country that it's never supposed to get that cold. Yeah, that global warming problem. Well, there. So he's been having trouble getting online. And I think probably the Conley's in the same boat because most of Texas right now is suffering through an extreme level of, of global warming by freezing to death. So we just want to keep everybody in in their prayers and we want to make sure and thank the new world order for this global warming event, which I'm sure is all natural. There's no such thing as weather warfare. Remember that. And, um, And probably no such thing as a lot of other stuff, like biosynthetics and lizard heads. I'm sure that's all just conspiracy, but that's okay. Don't worry about it. Pretend I didn't say that. And there's no such thing as genetically modified food. And there's no such such thing as lab-grown beef. And remember, cow farts cause global warming. So there you go. It's all there. All right, Patriots, before we begin real quick, make sure you've got a good sense of a plan for your family. Make sure you've got a good solid plan to take care of yourself in times of craziness. And the way part of that happens is to make sure you've got a good garden. And that's why we've got Treadlight. And I'm going to tell you, Treadlight Broad Forks are the best. They are a product that I've used now for, oh, I don't know, two two years plus. They are um, amazingly manufactured. And if you don't know what a broad fork is, it's in, imagine a pitchfork or a digging fork. This one's about three, can be three or four feet wide with hard, heavy tines. They are the most amazing tool you will ever use for digging your beds. I, and I'm really not exaggerating when I say that. I've done a lot of double dug beds in my time. I At this point, I can't imagine doing them without a broad fork. And they can be used on raised beds too. Just depends on the width you buy. Super product. It keeps and keeps your soil as a no-till soil, and it does a great job of tining it and loosening up that soil. So that when you set your plants in, they have a really good way to set their roots quickly and efficiently without having to fight all the resistance of a compressed soil. Great tool, especially as we're trying to restore soils and build healthy and productive gardens. You know that in my place in town. We have like less than, I'm I'm working on about an eighth of an acre garden, something like that. We're now at a point where we're just about at hundred percent production for all vegetables and fruits that we eat in a year. And majority of that is based on double dug and raised beds. And all of those beds I use this broad fork on. It's fantastic. I've used it aggressively. I've put it through the trials. Can't say anything more about it. So if you just head over to Tread Light Broad Forks. The best way to do it is just to go underneath the podcast and you hit the click button there and it says click here. It'll take you right to their website and your promo code is Bards. And they have free shipping on all their stuff. So take advantage of this. This is a time to get them. This is time early now. If you don't have one of these, you're going to need it. If you're doing a garden, in my opinion, and you should have it anyway. Because even if you're doing tilling or whatever you're doing, I mean – I'm personally a big fan of no-till, but regardless, if we run out of gas or we have some sort of other crazy stuff, you need tools to be able to dig your beds efficiently and this is it. So again, Tread Light Broad Forks, just go underneath the podcast, click on the button and use your promo code, Bart's. So I was in, at the end of chat on the previous show, I was just kind of tooling along at the end and we were chatting on, in the chat, we were chatting about ATVs and why would I be chatting about ATVs only because yesterday I picked up my new ATV and took it for a spin a couple times but yesterday was an interesting day so this is kind of where I want to circle around because it brought up a lot of memories and it brought up a lot of perspective and a lot of this is about living without fear and embracing what's before us which many people will see as risk but which really is just walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to begin, and I kind of recount it today in Bended Knee. Yesterday was an interesting day. We had a really amazing conversation last night that Father led, which was about bread, and that kind of percolated. So the kind of two things happened last night after the show. The concept of bread percolated all night, and we're going to get into that in a second, and believe it or not, we're going to tie together ATVs and bread and Lucifer, <laughs> and it's all going to happen, so buckle up. Here we go. So I had a conversation with my close friend, and at times we are partners in war, and sometimes like every good friend in is, he's an amazing counsel in war. And that's Brad Cummings, Pastor Brad Cummings. And it's really amazing. because I I was really tired last night. And Brad asked me a question. It was a simple question. Do you think that in a time of the storytellers, which this is the era we live, do you think the storytellers can win this war? And it's like something took over me. And I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I, I literally, all of a sudden, the next words out of my mouth were no. And I went into this whole diatribe, which was pure lunacy. And it was just like something grabbed hold of me. And, man, I'm telling you, this is where when you know you have a good friend. He's just like, I do not agree with you. I cannot be in agreement with you. I denounce this in the name of Jesus, and you're wrong. And so that led to a pretty lengthy, about 30 minutes of this sort of back and forth. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's just like my whole head cleared. And what I realized has happened over the last three weeks is something really profound and yet extremely subtle and deeply corruptive that was starting to metastasize in the most awful way. And what has been happening over the last couple of weeks is I've been balancing this walk between trench and kingdom. As you've heard me say, God put in my heart, walk in, put one foot in the trenches, one foot in the kingdom. But I've become increasingly focused on the trenches, and I have forgotten to acknowledge something very significant. I started to take the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm praying every day. I'm talking to Father. I'm talking to some of these challenges. But the thing I wasn't doing is every single day praising him for all the gifts he's given and praising him and thanking him for the glory of my life. Instead, he became my, my dear Abby. He became my person to dump all my load on. And it was, I was creating a gap. And the gap was the intimacy with father that I usually walk with and become very accustomed to. I mean, and to tell you how that works at times, I mean, I can leave a show. There's not usually a show that I leave that I don't feel like something's just an electricity, a beautiful electricity runs up and down my spine. And I can't tell you how many shows I do that I end up at some point with just like the words that are coming out of my mouth aren't even mine. They're just, being run. And it's, that's all Holy Spirit stuff. It's an amazing glory. And then there's so many other times you just end up with tears welling up in your eyes. You've heard me many times here choked up. And that's just the Holy Spirit working. And in the last couple of weeks, that's been more and more muted. And last night it just hit this kind of Zenith. And this is where you, we have to recognize the the glory of, as they say, we wage war with good counsel. Well, this is where I've always, I'm so grateful for Father God's the counsel that he's given me because in doing these shows every day, and, I, and believe me, this is not like me going, oh, look at me, patriots, because this is the path that God has me on. And I fully embrace it, and I love every bit of it. But in doing shows every day and literally muck raking, if you don't know have that ideas, that's literally raking the manure out of the barn stalls. We're muck raking through all of these headlines and politics, and your armor has to be really strong. And I would say 98% of the time my arm strong. But the weakness that opened up over the last couple of weeks is I stopped praising and thanking Father for the greatness of things and I started to turn to Him. Talking about the burdens and how tired I was and all this other stuff. which sounds more like Dear Abby than anything else, like I said. So yesterday was a big day because I, in the last... I don't know, five, six years, I've really wanted to get an ATV. And I turned a point this oh, about a week ago that I was able to finally afford an ATV. And it's amazing, like over this last year as we've built up this other property and I've picked up new tools and, of course, I I always say, you know, like Father provided me with a Jeep, which is his Jeep as far as I'm concerned. I just steward it. I picked up a trailer. All the pieces were in place. Like it was, and I was able to go down, and they had the exact ATV I wanted, and it was at a good price, and I bought it. And I picked it up yesterday. And I, was, I sent out a couple pictures about it. And this is what, I, what caught me last night, and so we're all coming around to this is after this amazing show that Father gifted, a show talking about bread and baking and the sustenance of sharing bread and breaking bread with one another, and that was the beginning of that message. I realized that after I had this little demonic takeover of my thoughts, literally, and the rebuke that I got appropriately and thankfully, by the way, thankfully, by Brad Cummings, I realized that in a very critical moment yesterday, where I had received something that as a gift that I would, God would allow me to acquire something that significant in my life, I had not thanked Him once. Now, one message that I send out saying, "You know, look at the glory that my Father's given me," and it really humbled me because it, I realized how quick, as much as I re- I re- I repel this idea of material consumption. I work hard in my life to make sure that God has is recognized in everything. This is God's podcast. I steward it. We come together in fellowship. My Jeep, I tell people all the time, my Jeep is God's Jeep. I drive it, I steward it, I take care of it, but it's God's Jeep. Everything in my life is provided by God, not by me. It's provided by the the assets and the capability that God allows me to acquire the things that I need. And I take it very seriously, my stewardship. But you know, like they say, where much is given, much is asked. And I realized that in a critical moment yesterday, I didn't bless the Jeep or bless this ATV. I didn't thank God for it. It was just like, mine, get on it. Let's go ride. And I had a good quick ride in between shows last night. And then I had like this lecherous Darkness overtook my brain after the show. So I ended the call with Brad. And he shared something with me that is, um, I think it's just an incredible equation of us keeping in contact in an alignment with Father. And he says, look, he says, look, Scott, he says, I'm just going to suggest something to you. Just take a little time tonight and thank Father for everything you can possibly imagine for what he's brought into your life and then praise him for all the greatness that he's brought to you. It's it's about 15 degrees up here last night and so I went out in bare feet, which is the best by the way, because then you're you're like connected to the earth. And I just, the clear sky, so beautiful. This, we had like a half moon. And just gorgeous. Stars are just crisp. The whole air is crisp. And I just started going through the inventory. And I just started walking through like, you know, Father, thank you. Thank you. I just, and as I did this, I just couldn't believe how much in my life he's provided. Things, people, relationships, experiences. And I just kept going. And. Just had an open conversation with Father. And, you know, did what you have to do when you make a mistake. You own it. We have such an incredible Father, and He is so amazingly loving. And we are in a time right now that is so unbelievably challenging. And he knows it. That's the piece. He knows that each and every one of us is being tested and tried. And he loves us all the more for it. Because he knows that this is the fires that refine us. And he's there. He's not asking us to walk this alone. And that's what in the last couple of weeks I had managed to do. I would managed to put myself on this little rabbit trail you know if you if you ever walk a deer trail and you have a good track and all of a sudden you find yourself drifting and you end up in like all these thickets and weeds and blackberries you miss the track somewhere you probably picked up an old trail or you just it looked like it might have been like a rabbit trail literally and that's kind of what happened and i found myself in this thicket and so in the process of this It was just like watching all this entanglement just kind of fall off. And so I realized, this is about the point when I realized I had like completely biffed it when it comes to the ATV. And so I asked Father just a simple question. You want to go for a ride? And of course he said yes. So... It was at this point, somewhere around 2 a.m. And it's now, I don't know, 10 degrees or something outside. And I threw on my tennis shoes and my sweats, put on my sweatshirt, threw my hat backwards, put on my gloves, and we went for a ride. And we went for the ride across the property, opened up the gate in the lower pasture, ripped it across the lower pasture. It's wet and frozen ground, we went fast, we went slow, we went crazy riding. And it was absolutely freeing. And I realized a number of things that we tend to do, we turn to the night into, we really don't know the night. And so because the night is dark, we tend to imagine a lot of crazy things. Well, what happens? You you can hear the back of your mind. What happens if you flip the ATV? Well, you're not going to flip the ATV. Why? Because God's with you and just racing along. And I, and I don't, those aren't things that lurk at me. I'm just saying those are thoughts that everybody has at one point or another, but it's the, it's the excitement. It's the presence of being there in the moment. It's in this beautiful world that he's created when it's completely quiet. There's nothing more beautiful than in the, in the middle of the morning, dark, early, early morning hours, always quiet. There's no vehicles anywhere around. The world is, it's not asleep. The world is present more than it is any other time of the day. And as I was driving around, it reminded me of a time in Afghanistan. We were, I was over at one, at the um, firebase that was, it was called Firebase Mountaineer. It was in Gardez. Now, Gardez is the city where special forces first set up camp early on in the war in Afghanistan. And that was under Colonel Haas at that time. And they, that's where they made their relationship with the local Afghans. And then that's what led to the operation that brought us into Operation Anaconda, which is one of the biggest fights of the war. And in fact, there's two. The Special Forces firebase is now outside of Gardez. It used to be inside Gardez. But in the firebase where they used to be, which was, well, I don't know now, but where they were and they were occupied when at the time, this was 2006. You could still go into the old firebase and see where the guys had signed their name back in 2001, 2002. It's pretty cool. So one of my good friends... It was part of 19th Group Special Forces that was there at, at FOB Mountaineer. That's Firebase, by the way, for FOB Firebase, or Forward Operating Base. Um, was Charlie, and they had a, a number of ATVs, and we were having a great time just talking. It was getting late, we were playing pool, and uh, I said something about oh, we should go ride ATVs, and Charlie says no, something. <laughs> And I I said, well, I guess you're afraid. And he looked at me and he says, don't say that. I said, you're afraid. He says, you would say that. I said, yeah, I would. He goes, let's go get the guns. So we strapped on some guns. And uh, we jumped on those ATVs. And we were like two kids that got let out of school for the whole summer or something. Now, Firebase is about three or four miles, probably a good three miles into the town of Gardez and it's all open desert and roads and stuff. And we and you have to go through a couple of guard checkpoints, which we did. And then we took off. And just understand, nobody does this. in, in, in the In the world of the wars that we fight now, nobody does this because everybody's afraid. And that's the bottom line. Everybody's like, don't go out at night. And there's Taliban in there and there's all sorts of, there's dirty... Afghan national police and they have a tendency of killing people and taking you kidnapped and things like that. So we hit that town. (laughs) We must've been doing 40 miles an hour through Gardez. And of course in Afghanistan, there's no streetlights. There's uh, roundabouts. There was no cars out there. And this is straight up like on the edge country, right? So the good people are asleep. The bad people are awake, that sort of thing. And I remember racing down to the first roundabout. And we made that turn and we were just literally like power sliding through the whole thing, having the greatest time ever. This is about two in the morning, too. And we came racing up and there was this ANP, Afghan National Police, and he was dozing off, or probably out smoking hash or something on the side, because that's usually what they did. And he heard us coming and he jumped out with his AK-47 and drew down on us and we must have looked like two crazy demons coming out of hell at him. I swear because his eyes got about as big as saucers and he just about peed his pants right when he saw him. He was just shaking and we raced by him laughing and we spent that whole night just racing around Gardez came back to the fire base. And in the midst of this war, we had had one of the most normal nights ever. And not one time in there was there an ounce of fear. And it wasn't because we each had guns strapped on. It's because we were just present and trusting in something greater than ourselves. And that would be God. We're in kind of that time right now. See, because nobody, everybody followed all the rules. And nobody... Asked if they could go out. We didn't ask if we could go out. We just did it. And we didn't, we, we didn't go out to set up a CONOP, which is your approvals, and send it up to higher command. Spend, literally, they, they take like 15 and 20 pages of slides that you have to build for, in PowerPoint, justifying every one of your movements. Send it up for them to send it down and say, well, sorry, no, we don't see a priority for this. We just ignored it all. And we just did it. Crazy part, it was about a year later that someone was reporting back to me about conversation that they had been part of with one of the police down there. And that story of two crazy Americans that were racing through the city of Gardez was still being told down there. Like, they didn't know who we were. They'd never seen anything like it. We have to live in a time, decide when we live in this time how we're going to live. And in the last 24 hours, literally, there's been a big shedding of a darkness that kind of settled in on me over the last couple of weeks. Just in my thoughts. Just I get up tired. I feel the weight of it. I've been talking to a lot of people, talking about, and I hear it all the time. I'm, so I feel so tired. And I start saying it, I've been feeling so tired. And pretty soon you start to realize that you're getting captured by exactly what the darkness wants you to do. The darkness is whispering you're tired. The darkness is trying to drain you down. The darkness is telling you, you can't. The darkness is trying to build the walls before you. The darkness is trying to show you how big the mountain is. And here's the deal. It ain't nothing for God. None of that's even a worry. God just kind of looks at this and goes, oh yeah, go right ahead. My friends build a bigger mountain. If you want build a bigger wall, build a bigger tower, try to build that tower up to heaven. Because a couple of things that really became clear as I carried my conversation through the night and then into early morning with God is that there is no way he's letting this country go. There is no way. He's going to let this continue to have his children suffer. And we may not like the timing and we may not see how it all comes together. But he's moving. And we may not trust what we see before us. He understands that. We may not trust a Kevin McCarthy to suddenly turn on a dime and change because we really shouldn't anyway. We're not supposed to. And he's... Not asking us to trust. He's asking us to walk in faith, which is a big difference. Because our trust is with him, not with the institutions of man. So back to that ATV ride. was on a trust in the A&P of whether he was going to shoot us or not? Because if I trusted in that, he probably would have shot us. And there was more than one. We went through two or three checkpoints in that way that night. That was just the one that stood out because of the size of his eyes when he saw us. So about two months later, after we did that ride, I was asked to do a really important project. And that crazy moment, because we just decided to do it without being asked, as we made the turn around that first roundabout, as I told you about, something caught my eye. It was unusual. The whole city was dark. There's just these strange little bit of street lights. Most of it was no street lights. And most of it was just lit up by the lights we had on the ATVs. But there was one door upstairs in a second story building, two story building. That was cracked open and there was a lumining light coming through it. And there was one guy sitting in the shadows on a chair. He was Taliban. But you couldn't see his face, but you could see his silhouette. That's stuck in my head. So fast forward, that was somewhere around April of 2009. And in, I left there somewhere in June. I went up to Wardak. It's another province. I worked there for a month. Came back. And I got off the bird. We just landed. And I walked into Firebase gardez and I just poured myself a coffee. I'd been going trains, planes, automobiles literally for like 40 hours. And I was tired and had not had any coffee and no sleep. And I came into the cafeteria, which is called the DFAC dining facility. And I poured myself a coffee the nastiest cup of coffee I think I've ever poured. This coffee had been, had been cooking on that, these doggone percolators for at least 10 hours. And it was just like mud, black. And so then you take out these powdered creamers and you pour it in and you stir it into where it looks like mud. It's about the only way you can digest it, but it's coffee. And the Colonel came up and he says, I need to talk to you. And I I looked at the Colonel. I said, sir, I said, Literally, I've been going for about 40 hours. Do you mind if I at least fix my coffee first? He goes, oh, yeah, that's fine, fine. Meet me out of the gravel. So I went out the gravel, just outside the, the dining facility. And he was standing there. He says, we got a problem. I said, what's that? He says, elections are in two days. He says, and we've got reports of up to 17 or 18 suicide bombers. And you're the only one I know that can figure out this problem and figure out where they are. And I, I re- <laughs> this is what happens when you're talking to a colonel after 40 hours of sleep. I looked at him and I said, do you think my name's Jack Bauer? And, and that actually, that humor moment didn't fly well. But anyway, he says, um, I need you to do this. I said, all right. I said, Let me have, get, make sure you get a cell phone that is a burner phone. I'll give you my number. Don't ask me where I'm at. Just let me do my thing, and I'll figure it out. And so I went in, dressed up like local people, and I went in, and um, into the town. And there was a, a group of uh, folks that were there that um, were New Zealand SAS folks, great, great people. And I set up with them and they were doing security for a USAID group. And so I started doing my investigations and questioning, just talking and trying to put the pieces together and identified that somebody took the checkpoints down that night, what they weren't supposed to, and there were motorcycles running around the city, which means somebody was probably bringing in suicide bombers. I'd spent the early day walking into the city, walking into markets that identified, started putting the puzzle pieces together, figured out where they were changing money, how they were bringing the suicide bombers into the city, and identified that, unfortunately, the interpreter that the SAS folks were using was bad. And so the next day, I had him drive me into where they were doing the elections. The elections were that day. We still didn't have the whole piece put together, but we were getting pretty close. And we knew that they were going to attack sometime that next day. So I had the um, in this interpreter that I, I knew was bad. I asked him to go in with me so we could go over near the elections, and he insisted on not being seen. So... I made him drive. I, I was rather persuasive. And he was, so he had to drive us in, he and I. And I had him drive us right before the mosque. And I told him, I had a really strong gut feeling that something was going to go down. And so I um, asked him to, I told him where I wanted to park and he started freaking out. And just as we parked in this one spot, he hit the gas and we took off. And right behind me, a motorcycle launched out of the mosque. And fortunately, and I'm just, I'm kind of one of these moments, I think our, our disruption of being there threw them off. And the Afghan National Police attention was drawn to us because of his erratic driving. And in the process, the Afghan National Police had raised his rifle and as the suicide bomber raced out of the mosque, the Afghan National Police shot him And as we made the turn, his motorcycle and him blew up into many little pieces, which then set off a cascade of events because he had missed his target. And in the process, we had disrupted it. And that led to the whole dismantling, or or I would say the disruption of their attempt to blow up the elections. So it was a couple days later, and I... I put my report together, and it goes back to that event, that we rode motorcycles and ATVs through that night because that one room was the key, was the kingpin. It was the keystone to the whole thing, because that room that we saw the guy sitting out at night while we were racing around being wild men on ATVs. That room is where they were bringing the Talibanian giving them new IDs because that was the travel office where you bought plane tickets. That's where they would get the cash that would come from the cash exchange place, which was down the street where they would get their cell phone, which would come from the cell phone vendor that was down the street. And it all came together in that one place. And that night was that one night that they happened to be out there. That crazy moment is what put it all together because that guy was out there waiting for somebody. So I was able to file the report and the equivalent of the Afghan FBI internal security swept up about 15 people and shut down the suicide bomber network which was a real blessing. So it's not just a story. Though stories are fun but there's a point in this. Had we not just decided to do something. Had we let ourselves be restrained by all the rules that they were telling us we couldn't do things with, all the rules that they put before us, had we not just followed our gut as we wanted to and trusted in something bigger, the critical link in an under, undermining and pulling apart one of the most deadly suicide rings in that area, suicide bomber rings, would not have been identified. See, When we're listening to ourselves, we're listening to our heart, we're listening to God. And sometimes he wants us to do things that don't even seem reasonable or maybe within our normal way of operating. But when we're listening to him, we're doing his bidding for things that we can't even see sometimes that are before us. I had no idea at the time that three or four months later i would be bumping around gardez with my camera filming people walking into bad guys places uncovering a bad interpreter sitting on top of a building with night vision watching suicide bombers run in and out of the city and ultimately being able to pull apart a puzzle that had been plaguing that city for over two years but that's god And that's how he works. And even when we don't know him well, he's still working with us. He's right there with us. So last night was a nice, refreshing journey. A time to run around the property on an ATV that he provided, that I'm grateful for. His ATV. A time to spend some time together, not in a war zone, but on a pasture where the cattle have been in a time of a new type of war. And that war is the war of trusting in him so that he can lead us all to victory. I didn't really want to go out initially at night at two in the morning on the ATV, but once I asked him and I realized that was the path, that was our moment and time together, a time to appreciate his world time to let it all go again and trust in him and be reminded of the fearlessness that we have when we walk with God. We spend so much time in the headlines and the narratives that these psychopaths want us to believe. Taliban are psychopaths. And I don't fear them. Like it or not, whether you like my wording or not, I see the devil as a psychopath, and I don't fear him. The problem is when we start to fear, we open up cracks in our armor. And that doesn't always mean you're going to get nailed, like things are going to turn bad. One of the worst possible things that can happen is turn us into inaction to convince us that we shouldn't. That's one of the greatest whispers the devil's ever done, the father of lies. To tell us we can't, we shouldn't, we need to rethink it, we need to be cautious. None of those words are in the Bible. But we have them in our dialogue. That night in Gardez, that night last night, had two, one major theme in common. Let it go, trust in God. And be free. And above all, say yes, I can. And I will. We are in an amazing time. And I truly believe that the war angels and God are waiting. They're ready. But they're waiting for us to stand up. They're waiting for us to lean in. They're waiting for us to get from our knees to our feet and step into the world to proclaim him and to proclaim the truth that needs to be proclaimed. It's waiting for us not to be apprehensive, but to be bold. They're waiting for us not to be doubtful, but to be full of trust and to walk with faith. And God's waiting for each of us to ask him in, to invite him to be part of what we do, to experience every moment with us, to share every tear we shed, to laugh with us at every moment we laugh, and to experience this amazing life with us that can only happen if we let him in. So let him in. Cast away your fears, your anxieties, your apprehensions, your doubts, and step in and go. Turn the ATV on. Make sure it's about 2 a.m. in the morning. Put on some tennis shoes. Don't bundle up. Let the air soak right through you. Turn your cap on backwards and hit the throttle and go. And hold on. Because the ride is the most amazing one we could ever ask for. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we are truly blessed with all you give, all you love, and just how much you're in our lives. We are We are a simple people created by a perfect God. And in the end, you know our hearts that most all of us would just like to relax, focus on the simple things in life, and let this tell this evil to let us be. But you put us here in this time in this place for a reason. And it may not be a reason that we understand or even remember, but we're here. So God, hear our hearts. And for all that will join in this prayer, hear our hearts. We're grateful for all that you bring. We are so humbled by all that you are. We're so deeply honored and blessed by all that you give. And we know that as we walk closer and deeper with you that everything that's before us, with us, part of us is by your design and with the intention of where we need to go. The Part of the equation always rests with us though. How will we choose? We have free will. The greatest gift ever given to any creature. Free will to choose to be with you or choose to walk away from you. And even in all of that, you never stop loving us. How great a father you are. And how humbling it is to be your son or daughter. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for never stepping away from us. Thank you for loving us eternally thank you for always being there thank you for using that loving hand to guide us and letting us fall and still being there to lift us up thank you for bringing the people into our lives at the right moment we need to hear the right things thank you for being patient when we stumble and fall or trip off the trail and run down a rabbit path and thank you for being there when we finally realize what we've done to guide us back and to continue to bring us home <laughs> words are not enough but our heart speaks truth and our hearts wells with love that words cannot express Before you, humbly, Father, thank you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing time. And all this is about us. We hear the hard stories of truth, and they're not easy to take every day. Because that's literally the part of the trenches. And it's not easy to constantly walk in the trenches and be up to our elbows and muck. And that's why we have to take intentional time to pull away. To thank God, to praise God, to be with God, and to let him take us on journeys and wild rides and places to remind us of how great we are. We're not unworthy. We're his children. He knows we're going to make mistakes. And he expects us to own it. But the biggest part we forget too often is he wants us to succeed brilliantly. All we have to do is trust and lean in. So jump on your ATV and take a ride. And set yourself free. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow. For Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe to the deepest dead Oh, I wanna feel something Let me get back in